0: Politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Paul Revere's to the one and only Conservative Review podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back in the house for your one stop shop of truly independent conservative thought, news, views, data, and facts. No fear mongering. Folks, we are getting ready for Freedom Friday. Where we will take back our government, our right to self-government in this country, our inalienable rights, our life, liberty, property, prosperity, health, and everything. This insanity has gone on long enough. There is so much to talk about. I don't even know where to start. I have like 10 different Word documents open, different studies, different news stories, writing, reading, and... I wish I had a whole team here, because to me, the biggest problem that I'm finding is the lack of good information put out to the public. What is fascinating is that as time goes on, I'm seeing the European countries that are typically 10 light years to the left of America, and that includes countries like France, are putting out good data and guess what? It's not a coincidence that the same countries that are putting up, putting out good data are also ending the stupid lockdown. Because it's all rooted in fact. People who understand the facts. We're going to present today more data on articles at Conservative Review. You can just click on my name if you want to see the chronology of my articles Just These aren't simulations, these aren't estimations, these are hard data facts. We have three months of this virus, millions of cases, lots of deaths, but we know where the deaths are coming from. And we now know that in most states and most countries, 50 to 70% of all deaths have been in nursing homes. That changes everything. And then outside of nursing homes, it's almost all comorbidities and above a certain age, but mainly with comorbidities. And now we know a good number of the deaths, particularly in nursing homes, but also outside of nursing homes, were absolutely inflated. You put that all together. How many are left for the average person that doesn't fit into that category? And then if you take out New York City, which is unique, how many people is that? You're talking about getting struck by lightning. You're talking about risk levels that are not elevated above any other activity associated with your daily lives. You're talking about all de- all cause death charts for most people not showing any elevation whatsoever. Sweden actually has a chart out like that we're going to have in our article where... They track all cause deaths for the last five years since 2015. And if you take the cohort of people under 65, which is the overwhelming majority of the workforce, there is no bump. And in fact, they're actually down from 2015 to 2019 for whatever reason. I don't know. But it's certainly not up. And they did not do a lockdown. This whole thing is a lie. Again, importantly enough, every lie latches onto a truth. Otherwise, it can't take root. And Lombardi in New York City confused people what exactly went on to what extent and why. And allowed them to just go nuts. Because remember, up until March 9th, Fauci was saying everything I'm saying. Everyone said what I'm saying. He also said it was stupid to wear a mask. And you'll cross-contaminate yourself. What changed? What change was Satan created... This illusion that allowed the the dark powers in our governments to sink their teeth into this and just go nuts. I mean, my city, Baltimore City, the mayor, I mean, I live in the county, but right outside of the city, the, the city mayor just announced she's, they're canceling all events through August 31st. Why would you do that? They barely have anything outside of nursing homes. What is going on here? Why do they need to lie? But again, this solidifies my thesis that Europe doesn't have a need to lie because this is not about public health concern. This is not about science. This is certainly not about math. It's about power. And in Europe, they already have power over the people. They're not a free people. So at this point, they just want to follow the right science and not destroy their country. Whereas in America, it's still we still have a contested Country and civilization, and they are benefiting from this so much, they will not let go of it. It is truly shocking the more we delve into this. Even I am shocked at the breadth of the lies and how much we destroyed our civilization for an utter lie. And the few people that it does target relative to the population, not only did they not shield, but we're now finding out not just New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Pennsylvania. And uh, California, we now add Michigan and Minnesota to the states where governors ordered nursing homes to take back COVID-positive patients. This is just shocking, shocking and unbelievable. But the thing is, they muddle everything. There's, There's multiple lies about the timing of this, how many people really died from it. Where they died, what type of people, and you put five or six factors together and it changes the entire picture, but they're not putting that out. Useful information. Hey, what's indoor, what's outdoor, what you know, what really does transmit it, what doesn't, who is at risk, who is not, who really is dying from it. That's important. Europeans are putting that out because they want to get their society moving. Here, the goal is to not get the society moving. So, what I'm curious about is. Let me know in your uh, respective areas as we prepare for Freedom Friday. And again, you can go to OpenTheStates.com and also communicate together at our little tavern, Miniman Speakeasy. Um, you could go, if you want an invitation, go to our public page, Horowitz Citizen Sanctuary, and ask for an invite. Send an email. You'll get invited to the Miniman Speakeasy. Let, let, let Let's compare and contrast. I mean, what are you seeing in your community from your neighbor's are they starting to wake up or do you have a lot of Karens and brainwash people in your area? You know, here, um, they're still violating the First Amendment and banning services. And again, I mean, this is truly, truly shocking that you look at France. France! France! I mean, of all places, France just... Um, you know, came out with that uh, the The court ordered government to lift bans on all religious services. France, we are now behind France. I mean, that is how sick this is. That is how utterly sick this is. And by the way, another piece of news on France, they have confirmed more COVID cases as early as mid-November. Which, by the way, lends credence to the theories that were put out that November 17th was not the beginning in Wuhan really it started earlier in the fall, which would be why it could travel to a place like Europe um, as early as November. So we'll, we'll we'll be watching that. but again, I mean that makes a world of a difference. What we're finding is that this is much more I, I mean this is hard data, the prisons, the meatpacking plants, the ships. We saw this everywhere we saw this on the Diamond Princess, full confined and defined universe versus natural, Case studies that just wrote themselves as studies. And the same story, wide infection rate, very contagious, most asymptomatic, most who get symptoms don't go to the hospital, small amount do, and the death rate is very low. But more importantly, it is extremely lopsided and heterogeneous. It, It is just truly shocking. You look at the data, it's unbelievable. You look at a state like Pennsylvania, but this is true of... I mean, I've really gone through all of them. It's just they put out the data. 68% of all deaths are in nursing homes there. Roughly... um, Where is this? Roughly... 58.5% of all deaths are above 80 years old. Roughly 70% are above the age of 75. There are more people who died over the age of a hundred than those under 45. And, you know, that's a very small, rare cohort of the population, people over a hundred. And, you know, I, I thought to myself an interesting thought. I mean, this is basic arithmetic. I said, wait a minute. If we're saying that 70% of deaths in the state are in nursing homes, right? 70% are in nursing homes. Yet, we're also saying that roughly an equal percentage are above 75 or 80. So I said, wait a minute, doesn't that mean that if you isolated the senior population, let's say above 75 or so, doesn't that essentially mean that almost all of those deaths were in nursing homes? See what I'm saying? If if 70% of the entire population, the deaths were in nursing homes, well, almost all of them are going to be above 75, 80. Now, once in a while you have incapacitated people that are very sick that will get put into a facility even you know 55 or 60 or 65. But I think it's a safe assumption that the overwhelming majority will be that age. Now, we don't have data, but if you look at the raw data, it's something like 3,100 people died in nursing homes and like 3,000 people in Pennsylvania died over the age of 75. So, I mean, you do the math, it's going to be almost all of them. So this raises an important question. What is the infection fatality rate even of seniors outside of nursing homes? See, so you look at these scary numbers, all 5%, 7% fatality rate for people over 80. But that's only in nursing homes because in nursing homes, half of it is a lie. And we're going to get that in a minute. It's bogus. It's a total lie. Medicare, Medicaid funding, you know, juicing it up. And the CDC's wrongful guidance have had a code of how to code a death. A quarter of it is because of the genocide that these governors that locked us all down under the guise of saving lives committed by forcing them to take home positive patients. Another element is just the general malcare in there. And then also, remember, remember, the median time time spent in a nursing home among those who ultimately die in a nursing home is five months. I mean, I hate to say it, but we all know it. That is the checkout line. I mean, you know, we live in a time where there's plenty of people 75, 80 years old that live vibrant lives and they have 10 to 20 years left on them easily this day and age. But if you confine that study to a senior population in a nursing home, that's a very different story. That is not even, you know, it's 0.4% of the entire population, but even among the senior population, it's not the majority of it. So if you have almost all the deaths confined there, that's a very different story. And again, it's also comorbidities, even the ones that weren't completely lied about. And it's also, you know, it's a very different story. You know me, I am pro-life. We it, it, we should have protected them. But that is the fault of these people that focused all of our resources and restrictions and manpower and, and money on quarantining an entire population that most of them have a better chance of getting struck by lightning. But again, you take that all out. What is the fatality rate among your run-of-the-mill senior? And that's very important. People need to know. Certainly, if you're 75 years old, and you're going to have issues, usually. Most do, but not these comorbidities that that are associated. Because remember, when you look at New York City, New York City, the most widespread Severe infection we've seen in America, by far, blows out everything out of the water. Even there, 99.4%. 99. 99.4% 99. of all deaths had comorbidities. And again, remember, these are not just, oh, you know... You had some underlying health concern. A lot of people have underlying health concerns. What I mean is. It's downright enough that it's you put on level line three or four of the death certificate that it was cause of death. I mean, you have a regular guy like, you know, I don't know. He has asthma, but, you know, he has no chance of dying from any, you know, he gets cancer and he dies or something. You don't say the asthma was a comorbidity. Right in this case, it's it's not just oh we know that these are the people that it targets. It's that it downright contributed to the death. That's how limited this is. Very rare among people without comorbidities. Extremely rare of any age, much less younger. And then you go to the kids where where it's downright flat Earth science. What they're spewing now against what all European countries are doing, closing schools makes no sense. We are now saying that COVID has to be a lower level risk than, than driving a car. And with driving a car, we don't say we're going to set the speed limit at 10 miles an hour. We work on targeting our, our efficiencies on, on safety. And look, you know, it's helped over the years. I believe deaths used to be like 60, 70,000 a year in the 70s. It's down to like 38,000 a year. What we didn't do is ban cars. You can't do that. It doesn't make any sense. If people only get this information out. Meaning it's it's a bunch of levels. First you have to get what is the real number of deaths. It's not 90 whatever thousand. It's more like 65,000 because of the inflation. Then how many are occurring in nursing homes? At least half of that. And then if you take out New York City and you're not in a nursing home, and you're not an inflated number, you're down to 10, 15,000 people in the rest of the country. And then among them, 95% have comorbidities. So dude, I mean, that's a horse of a different color. For most people, this is much less than the 2018 flu season. That is a fact. That is a mathematical fact. Hard data everywhere. Which is why, if you have a younger population... Like ice detention, okay? Ice detention facilities. 30,000 people in ice detention facilities. They've been testing positive at a rate of 60%. This is a lot, a lot of cases. Out of 30,000, there's just been one death. It's a young population, median age of 28. And guess what? That one guy was 57, a little bit older, but it wasn't really the 57. He had such severe diabetes, he had amputations. And other conditions, heart conditions, that ICE is not is is not even willing to say he died from COVID. It's not proven he died from it. And remember, it is a younger population, but it's also Hispanic, which seems to be elevated risk. And according to those who do have this viral load transmission theory, that when you have contained places like you know certain areas that are very dense or confined, you might get a pinged with. More of a intense load that will not just ensure that a larger percentage percentage, of quantity wise get the virus, but qualitatively you get a worse case of it. Now, I don't know yet. I mean, we're not seeing that. I mean, in the prisons, in the ships, we're not seeing a higher death rate. Or maybe we are and it would be even lower without the viral load transmission. I don't know. We seem to be seeing it. The only place where we seem to be seeing that is in nursing homes. But again, a lot of that is because of the coding of the deaths, the malfeasance, and the fact that d- there's nothing quite like a nursing home population. Because, dude, most of them, again, and it's, a, it, 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 it's it's a morbid way of thinking, but it's true. Most are in the process of dying there. And, you know, it d- does depend on the um, level of the facility. But again, like even within the nursing home numbers, I would like to get a statistic as to what percentage of the nursing home deaths were already receiving hospice care. Cause that's a whole different level. There's like a regular nursing home, there's assisted living to varying degrees on the more kind of you know healthier end. And then on the other end, there's hospice. And 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 based on the stories I'm seeing, a heck of a lot of them were in hospice. I mean, that's insane. That's a very different type of threat. This is utter... I I mean, I'm even impressed by it. Based on what I was saying a few weeks ago. I was lowballing the degree of exaggeration here. Of the political class. This is truly a scandal. But you know, in my area, you can't have services. I meant to get to this. So a group of people are like, hey, maybe on Saturday... Hey, Daniel, could, could we use your backyard? Maybe maybe we'll have your backyard. And, um, you know, just to have 10 people. So it's not more than 10. It's not 11. And maybe we'll have services together. And then the guy gets back to me and is like, I think we have a major problem with a neighbor. Now, if you remember, I talked about a neighbor that is very traumatized. And I have only saw leave the house one time in the last two and a half months, I'm not kidding you, and that one time was her walking around in a trance in a circle in the backyard while we were playing ball and wouldn't say a word to us. Um, God knows where those vitamin D levels are, which actually makes you more susceptible to COVID itself. Um, I wonder if that's who it is, if that's who they're referring to. I don't know. I don't want to get too personal here. But how much of that do you have where you are? And I, I feel bad for them. I don't blame them. This is what happens when the government purposely doesn't d- doesn't target their data to make it more precise like dude outdoor transmission is near nothing it's not outdoors it's not you know your type of people none of these people I know of would have these comorbidities when you get into a car again the, you know right in my neighborhood I mean I mean th- this is what's insane like in my neighborhood, a couple blocks down, there was a guy who got crushed in a car accident and was in a coma for a while, and he died a couple weeks ago. Very tragic. And this happens all the time. We all know people like that. Cars are some of the worst things. that cuts down people suddenly in the prime of their lives. But even, even these like kind of eclectic, crazy types... I've never seen them think twice before getting in a car after hearing about these things because you don't have what I would call the viral load transmission of the poison spewed by the media and government. It's just it's just ridiculous. It is way out of proportion, but it's not even a proportion. It's it's a heterogeneous lopsided threat. We know who it targets. We always, everything we do, we know, hey, your heart cancer, you're more at risk for this. Hey, you, you know, you're know you on chemotherapy, don't do this. You're a pregnant woman, don't do this. That's how we treat all of life. And here we have reams of data. New York City had the most numbers of younger, relatively healthier people that wound up dying or being seriously hospitalized. Yet even then, 99.4%. Had comorbidities among the deaths. Hospitalizations obviously will be some order lower than that. But I mean, dude, come on. But then we have, then we have even the case of um are the the, the numbers we now know are, are skewed. The question is by how much? Dr. Burks reportedly, reportedly, according to the Washington Post believes it's 25%. I think it could be more. So I have a I have a really important article out today collating stories from around the country, not just any one state. We know Colorado revised their numbers down by by 20, 25% because they were caught doing it. There's nothing unique about Colorado. This is happening in every single state. So I collate stories not of right-wing blogs or politicians, of medical examiners and coroners. Let me tell you something. You will never get a straighter arrow than a coroner. You're just not. I mean, they are the ultimate non-emotion, scientific-driven, look-at-dead-bodies forensics all day. I mean, it takes a certain type of person to do that. I can never do that. And, you know, they are calling straight-up BS on what's going on. Because again, now that we have these studies, that this is so ubiquitous and it's so asymptomatic and the IFR is so much lower, you can't assume that anyone who has it dies. But yeah, I mean, this is open. All the state health um, uh, departments are, are openly saying that anyone who tests positive, if they thereafter die, no matter what, that is a COVID death. That is utterly insane. There there are numerous cases in every state, but I'll just read to you one that I think is so important from the Armstrong County Coroner's office. This is um, it's like Indiana, Pennsylvania, Western Pennsylvania. Might not be that county, but maybe one over. I can't picture the map in front of me, Um, but Western Pennsylvania, tiny rural county. Um, I forgot the guy's name, but here is from his Facebook post. And remember, it must have been pretty bad for him to publicize this. Over the past two decades, serving both as deputy coroner and coroner, I as well as the staff of my office have always made every attempt to be as straightforward and honest with the residents of this county and family members of every person we serve. During the ongoing COVID-19 crisis, it has been brought to my attention some untruths and misleading statistics released by the Department of Health. Last week, I placed many phone calls to the department in an attempt to correct these inconsist- inconsistencies. I believe that the residents of our county should not be misled or confused by falsified data. Unfortunately, my calls fell upon deaf ears. The Department of Health and their website, which is updated daily, has reported that six people in our county had died due to COVID 19. That is incorrect. Where and how they came up with this number is unknown to me. The correct number for Armstrong County is two. Now, I want you guys to think about that. You know, that's a small, these are small, tiny numbers, but they exaggerated it by 300%. So, what does that portend for counties where they record five, 700 deaths? But anyway, He goes on to say he eventually forced them to put the dashboard down to correct the numbers. And he concludes, as to their motives behind inflating the numbers, I haven't a clue. However, I am positive. I am positive that other counties are in the same position. As a public servant and elected official, I believe in transparency and truth in numbers. The residents of Armstrong County should always be made aware of the truth. And, And this is very traumatic. When you lose a loved one, you don't want their death certificate to be politicized. It's just, it's disgusting. It's disgusting. This is a scandal. This is not a theory anymore. We now know Colorado revised down by 25%. One reporter said that um, in New Jersey, they revised down by a similar percent among the nursing home population. Again, remember, when you're talking about a population that is dying of Alzheimer's and heart and cancer and all this stuff, and their nursing homes, they, they live for five months before dying. And a certain number of them die every week. And this goes on so far for over two months. And we know that once they get in there, everyone's going to, you know, COVID gets in there, everyone's going to test positive for it. But we also know that even among seniors, 50, 50 to 60 to 70% are asymptomatic. It is inconceivable that a massive number is, is not being inflated. It's true among the non-nursing home population as well. We found this with young people. Died of drug overdoses. Of alcohol overdoses. They tested positive. They call that a COVID death. Again, and I'm not. Right now, I am not talking about comorbidities here. I have no problem. If you show that you know it attacked the lungs and they stopped breathing. Albeit they had a heart condition. No, that, I mean, that's that's fine. You could put down heart condition and you know, other stuff as you know, third and fourth order deaths on the death. Certificate. That's fine. You could put, put down COVID as the number one. I am fine with that. But you know, like we said, that does matter in terms of knowing which po- po- population to shield and stratify instead of doing a universal lockdown. But what I'm talking about now is something much bigger than that. I'm talking about downright fabrications, like what the coroners are, are talking about. People that they have concluded from an autopsy, they absolutely did not die from COVID whatsoever. Another county in in, in uh, um Colorado, I pointed out in my article, um, I'm forgetting if this was La Plata or Pueblo, because both of them had issues with coroners contesting it, but one of them recorded 14 deaths, at least at the state level, and the coroner is like, dude, None of them died from COVID. This is an utter scandal. It's a scandal because you're politicizing deaths for families. It's also a scandal because you're distorting data that is so important. This has shut our world down. It has caused so many people to destroy their lives. Not just money, but their lives and not see their children and grandchildren. It has caused so many people... 50 to 60% of the population that would have otherwise come to the ER not to come. The cancer patients, the research that's coming out on that, the number of delayed procedures and diagnoses. I mean, we need to know how many people really did die. What was their situation? We need to know. Stop politicizing this. This is disgusting beyond belief. Truly disgusting. Disgusting. So this is the problem when you have these self-righteous people saying, you don't want to destroy the world for to save COVID? I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, there's this retarded piece in the New York Times written by some opinion columnist there. I never heard of this guy, Thomas B. Enzel. So he, you know, you know what's funny? Like everyone recognizes, and I think even our liberal listeners appreciate that I'm very much down to down to earth. I give the most useful information dealing with the most practical issues of our time. Some writers like to write about just weird things. So he wants to create this whole thing that you see there's this partisan divide around protecting yourself, where in order to have loyalty to Trump, conservatives, you know, want to act as if they're, you know, they don't care and they're not worried about their own health, whereas liberals you know, of course, they'll worry about the science when really it's the opposite. Um, so he has a piece titled, When the Mask You're Wearing Tastes Like Socialism. First of all, I mean, just before the article, I, I would just note that Fauci, and you could Google this, it's, a, it's like a 40-second clip, in a March 9th interview, this is not March 9th, 1995, this is this year, um, right when we were kind of starting with this, he still said, there's really no need if you're not uh, medical personnel. And in fact, you're w- going to wind up adjusting it. If you're not trained in it like a medical professional, it's going to be counterintuitive. Um, so it's funny how, you know, now it's suddenly a right wing thing. Um, so he creates this false dichotomy of like some people don't care. And, and you know, you see the liberals is the conservative is this. So for the liberal, he um, quoted a Vox V.O.X.com writer And for the conservative side, he showed me. So take Daniel Horowitz, senior senior editor of Conservative Voice. Well, you could click on it, and you'll see it's called a conservative review. It's kind of weird, but um, how he got that wrong. And he just basically cites me citing a ton of data. Like, there's not a lot of prose from me, where I'm like, this is socialism. It's a little bit weird. Like, which part does he disagree? Uh, Never really says. And then... um, you know, he says he. Then he quotes all these bogus hocus pocus professors he interviewed about theories. How you know this is hypocritical? You would think conservatives would be more into purity. And I didn't. I, it took me a while to realize what he was talking about purity. Like I thought he meant ideologically, but he meant like not to be contaminated. I don't know where he gets that from. Like conservatives wouldn't want not want to get contaminated, but now they're willing to get contaminated because because of Trump. Now, again, it's a little bit weird, like, the the rich irony that the paradigm conservative he used for his study was me when... <laughs> Look, ask anyone about me, liberal, conservative, or anything in between, do I go along with Trump, or do I change my views because of Trump? Just the opposite. I mean, Trump was the one that went along with all this, despite a couple of statements to the contrary, and we were the ones prodding him the other way, so if anything... You know, I wasn't comporting, you know, I wasn't changing my views to comport with Trump. Um, I was dumping on Trump because of my views, contrary to what he was putting out. So it's funny, at least understand conservatives before you make uh, comments about them, or at least real conservatives. Um, So that's the thing with, with that. And then he just comes out with this bizarre conclusion that... In other words, the pandemic has become another example of Trump's mastery over his most loyal subjects, his ability to manipulate them into violating their own instincts. It is this power over a substantial block of the electorate that has put him in the White House and continues to make him so dangerous. Dude, like I will tell you um, the people protesting mostly Freedom Friday and the people organizing it are actually not that cohort of people. They're the ones that are most principled and actually won't follow Trump because the truth be told, Trump actually dumped on Brian Kemp and dumped on Sweden. So, like, I don't know what this guy I mean, that's the thing. It's like we could disagree on policy, but not on like literally the politics of what someone said. It's just kind of bizarre. But this is where he's wrong. It's all being driven by data. They are the flat earthers. They are the ones that are deviating from 5,000 years of epidemiology. They're the ones coming up with nuanced things that never existed. And it's like there's this whole cult behind this COVID cult. The COVID communist cult. And it literally, no matter what we discover from hard data, it doesn't matter. I'm going to have a long article out on Johnny Anita's His new study, it's a preprint, so it's not peer-reviewed yet. But it's not one of these things, you know, like they'll have methods, results, discussion, conclusion. And sometimes it could be a page long. This is 25 pages, right? He really explains himself, even though it's a very simple method. All he does is he takes, he targets about 12 serology survey results. I think about three from America, one from Brazil, one from Wuhan, one from Iran and one or two from Asia, like Japan, Kobe, and then the rest from European countries, Germany, Switzerland, um, France, a couple, couple others. And they had to be over 500, so it's a nice sample size. They had to be somewhat random, so he you know didn't include any any of the ones that were just uh, healthcare workers, which obviously is going to be more prevalent among them. Um, and you take the average prevalence from them and then you take the IFR. In other words, you see, well, you know, if 10% of the people in your survey had the antibodies, that means 10% of that region you could extrapolate likely had it like any other survey. And then you take the numerator of number of deaths in that area and you get it. And he came out with, you know, the average was between 0.02 and 0.4% IFR. The median Bingo, right at point 0.2, which was Stanford's original one in Santa Clara. So it ranges from seven times less deadly than the flu to 2.8 times more deadly than the seasonal flu. Think about that for a minute. And that's just the top line number. When you look at the lopsided nature, remember, when you're talking about the biggest cohort of deaths are where? The most numbers of the numerator are among people over 80, and that's almost all in nursing homes. There you're talking about a 5 to 10% IFR, you know, ranging from different country and different data data sets. So that's anywhere from 25 to 50 times higher than your median top line number. And that's where most of the numbers are. So what that means, a simple mathematical equation is that for the cohorts outside of nursing homes, and certainly younger and healthier, it is like 100 to 200 times lower than 0.2, hence 0. 0.0001 for a lot of people. Hence, you're more likely to die from a lightning strike. And he goes through why he chose them, and he goes through all of the factors that are actually that actually demonstrate this thing could be Really, it could be much more. In other words, really, it could be much more prevalent. Thereby driving down. The IFR even more. See, a lot of people are like, hey, what do you mean? It's not these samples aren't good. No, you can't assume that, you know, such and such number of people got it. It's not good. Even though we rely on random random sampling for everything to project everything in life. But somehow it's not good here. No, you can't do that. It's not gonna work, it's bad, um, doesn't make any sense. But this is totally bogus, totally bogus. He goes through all their complaints and he talks about why he did this and he divides them up, up into three groups: the 12. Some came out at the lower end, some came out middle, and some came out on the upper end. And he noted that with the upper end, they were two places in Europe. I forget, one was in Belgium that that had a super spreading event. Like a carnival. And then Wuhan was, they were just caught by surprise because it was the first country and the hospitals were overrun. So th- that would account for a much higher IFR. Okay? That would account for a much higher IFR. But even then, it wasn't that much higher. Um. So that's that's what he finds there other places were lower but what he notes in his discussion is that if anything these samples are healthy people it's, it seems to be more affluent healthier people that um participate in these studies <clears throat> and in fact three of them were blood plasma donors right it it kills two birds with one stone you get to see how many have it so you get to do a study, but also it's clinical too because you get the plasma to potentially help with treatment of those that are currently very ill with the virus. So um, three of them were actually from I know the one in in the Netherlands was uh, and Denmark I believe they were uh, blood plasma. So they're certainly healthy people, and and he noted. Remember, John Ioannidis is the p- professor in epidemiology at Stanford. So his colleagues were the ones who did the first known one in America in Santa Clara, and he said from the information they had, it was very much healthy and affluent people. I mean, you look at the data, and we could talk about why it's like that, but you look at the data from all fifty states, and it's very clear that socioeconomic status is a huge, huge factor. You know, some of it is lifestyle, some of it is they're less healthy. Some of it is their situation where they're clustered. Their urbanization—it um, all plays a role. So, if anything, the the serology tests are getting a sample of people that are less infected and less, you know, less infected. So, if you would get a larger population, you would likely find the rate of infection is higher, and therefore the IFR is lower very interesting point he made so he's like if anything there's more factors to say that he overstates the IFR not understates it um so that was a very very interesting thing his theory of new york he does not include new york in there new york's test was 0.6 it is much higher um but he says new york the basically his theory is um it was a mixture of a very unfortunate decision of governors in New York, New Jersey to have COVID patients sent to nursing homes. Moreover, some hospitals in New York City hotspots reached maximum, maximum capacity and perhaps could not offer optimal care. With large proportions of medical care and paramedical personnel infected, it is possible the um, uh, nosocomial infections, a.k.a. the those are the... Hospital, meaning you got it in the hospital, increased the death toll. Use of unnecessarily aggressive management, um, mechanical ventilation may also have contributed to worse outcomes. Furthermore, New York City has an extreme, busy, uh, congested public transport system that may have exposed large segments of the population to high infectious load and close contact transmissions, and thus perhaps more severe disease. A more aggressive viral clade also has been speculated, but this needs further uh, verification so he says it contributed to, um, you know, this higher IFR, which was certainly pronounced in the Bronx and Queens. Um, And then he says the two studies that had extremely low inferred IFR were Kobe and OIS in Japan. And he notes that in those countries, you know, it could be a question of undercounting. um, And that's the story there. And, and he has good data. I mean, some of these, remember, they followed up. Like in Brazil, in the Netherlands, they did multiple. In Switzerland, they followed up again. So, you know, you start to have grouping. So, you know, this was a really important, important thing. But again, folks, what does a, a, you know, a serology-driven IFR look like? Well, this is the denominator, so I take the numerator of deaths. But what if almost all the deaths were in nursing homes, and nursing homes are 0.4% of the population? What's the IFR for people outside of a nursing home? That's the big question. That's much lower than 0.2. What's an IFR of people outside of a nursing home without the three or four top comorbidities? That's much, much lower. And then what's the IFR of those under 60 without the comorbidities? I mean, folks, we need answers to those questions. You break down the numbers there. I mean, you're going to start to get into three, four-digit levels of deaths in America among those people. That's utterly insane. This is simple arithmetic. This is not speculation. You look at the hard data from our, all 50 states. and Forget about the... Um, serology tests and and the survey I mean just straight up the hard data of the known deaths in all 50 states I mean you factor in 54% of all deaths within New York city environment and surrounding counties then you look you know so that lops off that you look at the 25% inflation that we now know is true okay I mean do the math there do the math I mean what is 54%, you know, you know, let's say you take off, you know, let's just say conservatively, um, 25, uh, you know, 25% of 91,000. Okay. So that's 68,000. And I think that's really where the deaths are. Could be even lower. And then you say, you know what? 54% of those were in... Those 46 or 44 counties around New York City. So that leaves you with about 31,000 outside of the New York City area if you adjust for the likely inflation. 31,000. Now consider that outside of New York, it seems like about 53% of those who died in nursing homes. Nursing homes. I mean, that's 800-pound gorilla. I didn't even factor that in yet to my math equation. So what is that? Times point, Let's say 0.47, 47% outside of nursing homes. I'm getting 14,755 people who died outside of New York City, outside of nursing homes, and truly died of COVID. Okay? Truly died without the inflation. It's 14,755. Now, how many had comorbidities? I mean, let let's say ninety percent. So, you know, you want to say ten percent aren't. You're down to fourteen hundred seventy five people. And then how many of those were above sixty five? That's going to get get you into three digits of the broad working a workforce population. <laughs> the workforce population. I mean, I feel like crying doing this who workforce population outside of nursing homes outside of New York City area that shouldn't there was no need to you know treat the whole country the same folks this is the biggest scandal of all time truly the biggest scandal of all time anyway we're we're just about out of time here again support your neighbor your friend who is a business owner patronize them on Friday, open up Freedom Friday, let freedom ring, let the facts speak for themselves.